Welcome to another episode of Destination Declassified, the channel that scans the globe for evidence of UFOs and extraterrestrials, as well as the conspiracy theories that surround them. Brazil, or officially named the Federative Republic of Brazil, is the largest country in both South America and Latin America, boasting a massive 8.5 million square kilometers in size, and inhabiting almost 215 million civilians. Encompassed by the gigantic Amazon rainforest and tropical oceans, the country is known for its diversity of people, as well as its 40,000 plant species, 1,300 bird species, and 427 mammals, which reside within its perimeters. Samba, coffee, football, and the world-famous carnival are part of the allure and characteristics that make up the South American nation. Unfortunately, like everything else, the country has had its fair share of issues and criticisms over the years, such as its crime rates, drug cartels, and its handling of the COVID-19 outbreak. However, unlike a lot of other countries in the world, Brazil has racked up a massive number of UFO and or extraterrestrial activity, dating back to the years of the Second World War. So what is it about Brazil that makes this fascinating country a notable hotspot for UFO and alien sightings? What stories have made the headlines? And what can we, and the country's government, learn from these stories? Join us as we travel to the shores of our Portuguese-speaking neighbours, and to the gloriousness of the Amazon, to investigate yet more bizarre cases which haunt the skies and landscapes, in this week's episode of Destination Declassified. So what cases spring to mind, or are worthy of investigation, when we examine the massive province of Brazil? In this video, we will look at three accounts that occurred at various times and places, stemming back to the years preceding World War II. The first story begins exactly at this time in history, the morning of July 23, 1947 to be precise. During the morning in question, Jose C. Higgins, a topographer who specialised in numerous forms and features of land surfaces, came across something far greater and magnificent than the masses of terrain he spent his years analysing. During his navigation through the outskirts of the Barura state of Sao Paulo, Higgins noticed a large metallic disc in the distance that seemed to be exhibiting a whistling noise from the bottom of its sphere. Measuring approximately 45 metres in width and 15 feet high, it emitted a dull shade of glowing light. The craft appeared to have landed intentionally, as it was described as being supported by four rod-like metallic legs. Amazed at his discovery, Higgins approached with caution as the spectacle was unable to be ignored due to its size, curious structure, and obvious purpose of landing in the area. According to reporter and investigative journalist Joao Martins, his detailing of the incident in the APRO Bulletin Research Organization in May 1961 speaks of the following events. Upon Higgins' approach, and hesitant acknowledgement of the craft, it is said that three alien-like beings measuring over seven feet in height emerged from the vessel and appeared to be donning transparent clothing or outfits of some kind, which resembled plastic bags, as well as metal boxes attached to their backs. In the report, and according to the shaken observer, the entity has appeared in full view of Higgins, 
complete with large round eyes and circular heads, presenting themselves with no distinctive characteristics, except for their extremely long legs, which were immediately noticeable and peculiar. As the creatures stood to observe the landscape, Higgins attempted to get a better look at the visitor's physical attributes. Although he couldn't determine their sexual orientation, he couldn't shake off his feelings at the mesmeric spectacle, as according to Jose, as having a certain beauty about them. Despite their mysterious allure, all three bodies appeared identical when they spoke, an unrecognizable language was uttered, which Higgins could not distinguish, nor did he know if they were speaking directly to him or with one another. It would soon be apparent that the beings had indeed spotted Higgins and were trying to communicate with him by pointing a metallic rod of some kind directly at him and to the door of the spacecraft, as if to usher him into the confines of their ship. A mixture of terror, surprise and intellectual instinct crept into the man as he attempted to respond, using various hand signals and attempting to ask where they had come from and what their intentions were. One of the aliens stepped forward and using another rod, carved a larger dot, resembling that of the sun, on the sand-covered grounds. It then carefully composed seven circles around the sun, before making strong references to the seventh circle which would be Uranus. It became apparent, through this communication and attempts to decipher their intention, that the beings wanted Higgins to travel back with them to their native planet of Uranus, much to the Brazilian man's apprehension and resentment. In a desperate attempt to refuse their request, Higgins nervously presented the Agamus beings a photograph of his wife and pleaded with them to grant him permission to leave and return to her immediately. After a few moments of what sounded like deliberation, the intergalactic foreigners seemed to concede and subsequently allowed Higgins to return to the nearby forest, which he was initially studying. Eventually, after returning to the safety of the trees of the nearest woodland, Higgins watched the beings for almost half an hour, stating that they were playing like children jumping in the air and throwing enormous stones, before retreating back into the craft and taking off, back into the skies and space above. Higgins would return to his wife with a terrifying yet fascinating story to tell. Though many have come to criticize the tale of Jose's Higgins and accuse him of seeking attention, it is understood that the man would not change his account, nor be swayed by public opinion and perception. Due to the date and time of the event, no photographic or audio evidence was taken of the ship, its inhabitants, or the designs which were carved into the sand. So what did Higgins see that day, and who did he communicate with? According to Joseph, Alan Hynek's famous scale in ufology, a close encounter is a recording of an extraterrestrial or UFO event in relation to the event itself and other factors, such as timeline, vicinity, and physical or mental effects that occurred before, during, and after said event. Hynek's 1972 book, The UFO Experience, A Scientific Inquiry, states that a sighting, which is within 150 meters from the witness, is classed as a close encounter. In reference to Jose Higgins, his testimony has a Hynek classification of CE3, close encounter of the third kind, which describes a close observation with animate beings and their crafts. Who knows what would have happened if Jose Higgins had boarded that ship, I guess we can only speculate and wonder. Approximately 10 years later, and one morning during April 1958, another metallic-like object was spotted in the Atlantic seaboard of northeastern Brazil, which Hynek would describe as being a DD, or daylight disk. 
according to a 1964 report compiled and written by former British intelligence officer and foreign office diplomat, Gordon W. Craigton, and with reference to another report received by General Chasen's Saucer Research Organization in Paris, GEPA, around 6am the following events occurred. Wilson Lestosa, local jeweler, was making his way across the white sands of Parapuria before settling for a break in a town called Sword, where it said that the local fishermen were looking to the skies in terror. A low humming noise began to emit from the sky when suddenly a saucer-shaped craft, approximately 100 feet in diameter, descended from the clouds and directly towards the group of men. As it came hurtling towards the shores, the daylight disc suddenly came to an abrupt stop and hung in the air, a mere 40 meters from the terrified locals. It began shifting and moving from side to side, which provided Lestosa an opportunity to get a closer look at it. The scale and detail were logged in the reports that followed in the years to come. According to the traveling jeweler, the upper half of the vessel was aluminium, complete with a small dome on top, which seemed to glow extremely bright. The lower level formulated the disc shape, but was much darker in color and became centralized via a red light which gleams from its core. It was also noted that along the sides of the ship were darkened holes, which much to the bewilderment and shock of the onlookers, seemed to display groups of onlookers staring out of the ship's interior. The reports go on to explain how the underlying water from the seashore seemed to bubble and boil under the immense heat of the object. Some declare that during certain intervals, the water would be extracted and sucked into the ship's vacuum apparatus. More witnesses flocked to observe the hovering craft as it remained in the same position on the shore, whilst shooting up and down at rapid speed and with a noise to shatter the eardrums, according to the fishermen. Before reporters or photographers were able to arrive on the scene, the disc shot off into the sky without coming back. So what exactly could this have been? Could it be that whoever was on board the large craft was here to literally test the waters on the shores of a Brazilian fisherman hotspot? Was there actually aliens or imprisoned people being provided water during the UFO stopover in Brazil? So many questions and theories have been raised on this sighting and has forever left those witnesses baffled and bemused as to what they saw that morning in 1958. What do you think? Our third and final entry in today's Brazilian trilogy is a little more bizarre and occurred as darkness descended upon the suburban region of Jarmin Alvarada, which is located in the city of Moringa. On April 13, 1979, the events that took place around 11.30pm would become known aptly as the Jardim Alvarada Affair and subsequently logged as a CE4, close encounter of the fourth kind, according to the Hynek scale, or more frighteningly known as abduction. Several books and investigations have been written and reported on the subject, such as UFO abduction of Moringa, the Agrippo experiments by Wendell Stevens and A.J. Givard, as well as the Center for Flying Saucer Research's own official inquiry. The event itself lasted approximately two hours from 11.30 p.m., and centered around two brothers, Jocelino de Matos, who was 21 at the time, and Roberto Carlos, then 13. The story goes that both young men had been watching television at their sister's house that evening, before deciding to call it a night and head back home. Through hypnotic regression, the brothers were able to recall the incident as it unfolded and changed their lives forever. The oldest brother recalled, 
that my brother drew my attention to a strange star. Something compelled me and my brother to walk towards it. As the brothers reached a large tree in the middle of the local plowing fields, and approximately 15 meters away from the glowing orb, they suddenly fell to their knees as an uncontrollable weakness invaded their bodies. According to Jocelino, the floating entity seemed to be the cause of the dramatic fragility that possessed them. Not only was this terrifying enough, but whilst under hypnosis, he recalled a voice saying something like, the job is not ended, we will be back. It was at this moment that both Jocelino and Roberto Carlos passed out in the middle of the field and remained unconscious for several minutes. Upon wakening from this weird episode, the brothers struggled to their feet and helped each other walk back to their house, arm in arm, where the rest of the family were anxiously waiting for them to return. Eventually, the boys burst through the doors and collapsed to the floor, still suffering from the powerlessness in their bodies, where they looked back into the night sky to find that the star had followed them home. Jocelino recalls how the object seemed to observe us from that distance, and suddenly my brother and I received some kind of a shock, so strong it hurled us back to the ground. Although no one else in the room felt any electrical current attack them personally, the boy's mother could not hold them in her arms, as a voltaic shock emitted from the boy's arms, legs, and torsos. Not knowing what to do, the family stood in the center of the room, confused and terrified at what was happening to their young family members. However, not long after the electrical attack on the brothers, the star itself disappeared out of sight. Sometime later, after the horrifying event took place and the young men were treated for their apparent injuries, they decided to go under hypnosis to try and make sense of the situation and attempt to remember what happened to them that evening. Dr. Oswaldo Alves, a specialist in regressive treatment, conducted the session with Jocelino and Roberto Carlos, and was astonished at the tale that was relayed back to him. Again, the older brother was able to access the incident more clearly, and began to picture what happened during their blackout phase. According to Jocelino, somebody came and caught us, and took us up to a height. A door was opened at the side and I went in. Then there were two men in the doorway, one of them came in front of me and looked at me very attentively. He went on to describe another room filled with computers, lights and monitors that he was unable to distinguish fully. However, he was able to understand what was being broadcast on the monitors. Earth. The so-called men proceeded to escort the brothers into another room which was stifling hot and contained an array of medical bedding and equipment which was the setting for their examination. Being 21 years old, Jocelina was able to recollect the physical audit that befell him, and most alarmingly, the ghoulish sensation of having his semen extracted from him into a container, which was taken by one of the strangers on board. Afterwards, they continued their medical interrogation by strapping them into a chair and prodding them with instruments as they spoke in a language unbeknownst to either brother. Strangely, this was not the most freakish situation Jocelino found himself. After a few minutes of cross-examination and questioning by the entities, a woman arrived and began to caress him. He recalls that it excited me, then we started to make love, and that afterwards she stopped and told me, perhaps the seed will come alive. I did not understand anything. Eventually, the physical processes ceased, and the female alien was able to convey to Jocelino that their mission was to study Earth and its people, and that they themselves were peaceful beings who meant no harm. 
The Jarmin Alvarado affair ended with the woman reuniting the brothers and escorting them to the exit latch of their craft, where they were able to jump out and land in the plowing fields below. It was finally over. Unfortunately, in the years that followed, both Jocelino and Roberto Carlos were embarrassed and ashamed to be around their family members and friends. Whatever happened that evening in Moringa definitely scarred the men for life and has haunted them ever since, culminating in the brothers seeking psychological help for their traumatic close encounter and horrifying abduction. Luckily, there were a few people in the nearby area at the time of the event who were able to take a photograph of the floating orb when it first appeared using a Nikon camera. These photos, however, are difficult to come across these days. And so, this is where tonight's collection of weird tales from the South American nation of Brazil ends. We hope you enjoyed this episode. It just goes to show that no matter where you live, there is always something or someone out there and in the skies above that cannot be understood or identified. As we continue to seek the truth and potentially make contact with entities not of this world, it is paramount that we communicate with our friends and neighbours across this wonderful world of ours to ascertain if indeed we are not alone. Take care, and as always, keep searching.